Salam, shalom, peace. Now, go vegan. Peace, how? Go vegan. From the Russia-phobic new right-left coast of the genetically mutated McNugget pharmaceutical vivisection prison killitary industrial corporation in the cheese-covered post-constitutional Bankster, bankrupt, corruptocracy, mocracy, criminocracy of the United States of Listeria, food born in the NSA, uh, NRA, uh, USA, home of Uncle Sam Manella, where they sure do eat a lot of dead animal body parts in the Wall Street-backed corporate diet of death, disease, and destruction is shoved down your throat. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Welcome. So, um... Let's all get ready to march on April 29th, right? Let's, we're going to be all over the world on April 29th. Let's march to end climate change. Let's all, let's all, well, April Fools. <laughs> April Fool, yeah. Let's all fly to D.C. and burn a bunch of uh, jet fuel for the environment. Yes, we're burning the jet fuel for the environment in meaningless um, action. Um, or or meaningless inaction. I guess we all feel good if we, you know, uh, it's always good to take a walk, right? And, you know, sing songs, hold hands. Um, too bad it doesn't do anything. So uh, looking at uh, the environmental situation as it is right now, you know, Trump, I, I don't know, uh, Democrats really shouldn't complain about Trump and environmentalists shouldn't complain about Trump because he is a goldmine for them. I mean, Trump has just become the biggest fundraiser, you know, I mean, for the for the DNC, the uh, uh, Democrat uh, Nazi and all uh, committee, um, always asking for money and, and getting it because, well, you know, Trump, Trump. Uh, what, what, don't worry, just send us money because, you know, Trump, Trump. Uh, and now um, the so-called environmental movement is raising funds and uh, planning marches because of, uh, well, you know, Trump, Trump. Um, and uh, that should bring in a bunch of money and a lot of people out marching. Um Again, I, I have to remind uh, you in the environmental movement, I should remind you of just, you know, what I discussed a few weeks ago on this program, for example, uh, when I uh, looked at an article in uh, Energy, let's see, uh, or, or the Energy section of the Financial Post, and the headline, America has built the equivalent of 10 Keystone Pipeline since 2010. 
and nobody said anything. So, you know, we, we, we have our friends, the Democrats, who pretend to be a people's party, an environmental party, uh, but uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. But, you know, Trump, Trump. Uh, and, uh, yeah, o- Obama, the, the equivalent of 10 Keystone Pipelines, you know? I mean, o- Obama and Clinton spread fracking around the world and uh, committed the U.S. to a fracking energy policy for at least the next 40 years. Um, you know, but, you know, Trump, 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 Trump. Um, and, you know, and, and I'm not a fan of Trump. I'm not a Trump supporter. I didn't vote for Trump in the election. But really, I mean, I just feel that the, uh, oh, I don't know, the deceptive, uh, warmongering, Wall Street loving, environmentally devastating Democrat Party, I think it needs to be banned, to tell you the truth. I mean, just for the head games, just for the propaganda to make you think that, wow, you know, Trump came in and and everything went wrong. You know, it's like, wow, Trump, you know, we're tipping points uh, for climate change. We're, uh, you know, um, Trump, 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 Trump. Um, And there you have the uh, Democrat Party uh, representing itself as the party of the people, the party of the environment. I think we generally know what we're getting with Republicans. Um, But the idea is to not know what we're getting with Democrats. Um, I mean, I think really the Democrat Party is as outrageous a scam as the Humane Society of the United States saying it represents animals. When the Democrats say that they represent the people and the environment, I don't know. It's like HSUS saying it represents animals and then campaigns for cage-free eggs uh, which leads to torturing, imprisoning, and killing you know, all of those it says it uh, represents. So even Governor Jerry Brown, Governor Moonbeam, right? Uh, Jerry Brown of California is an oil man. He has completely fracked up California. You know, but he's, he's a good oil man, right? Because he's a Democrat. And... Uh, his fracking is good because it's Democrat fracking. So, yeah, fine fine with us. Um, you know, that that's all good. Just, you know, we get upset when an oil man is appointed Secretary of State of the United States. Um, but we don't even notice that someone is an oil man or an oil woman if he or she is a Democrat. And happens to be the governor of supposedly the most uh, leftist uh, state, the the most liberal state, right? So, um, <sighs> Dal, such you know, such a game, you know. But but anyway, hey, I, you know, I'd I'd like to get in on the gravy train myself here. I I see people taking advantage of all of this, and uh, so would you please, please, please donate to Go Vegan Radio. Because, well, you know, Trump, Trump, Trump. We need donations because uh, Trump. So uh, let's get real, please. Can we get real? (laughs) This is not uh, 
CNN, MSNBC, CNN. This isn't MSNBC, CNN, so we can get real here for a moment. Uh, although lying pays. I mean, the Jimmy Dore Show reports that uh, Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes each makes $30,000 a day in salary. Is that not amazing? $30,000 a day in salary. I didn't think they uh, deserved minimum wage for what they're doing, but now I see that the you know the, they'll be the only ones who are able to afford an underground fallout shelter from you know for when the nukes come pouring down on us from the uh, the war that they start with Russia. Huh? Anyway, let's get real here. Let me change my computer screen so I can at least be cyber real. Do I want to X out of this or keep it? Let's see. Do I want to X out of it or keep it? Did I mention that Obama build, uh, built built uh, ten times the equivalent uh, of uh, the uh, Keystone XL pipeline? Of course, I mentioned it, but I thought it was worth mentioning again because you forgot about it because you know that those ten times pipelines that he built are the good pipelines. Let us get real here. So by the powers vested in me as uh, someone who was vegan for 33 years and uh, who has been doing, you know, this is the, the first vegan radio program in commercial radio. So I've been doing this show now for 16 years. So, um, you know, with the uh, powers vested in me for those reasons, I can now declare that April is Go Vegan to Stop Climate Change Month. There you have it. April is Go Vegan to Stop Climate Change Month. And uh, so my, my good friend, a wonderful person in Cleveland, Victoria Hart, who volunteers to do artwork for us, uh, because uh, HSUS, the Humane Society of the United States, has, has gotten all the donations. So it, uh, it can represent animals and uh, cage-free eggs and represent animals by, by having them all killed. Um, it gets, what, $125, $130 million a year. So it can afford artists. Uh, we, we have Victoria Hart in, in Cleveland working on the flyer um, that uh, you'll be able to download and distribute. I, I sent her the text for it. Um, for the uh, April is Go Vegan to Stop Climate Change Month. And the text would say something like, well, not something like, well, exactly this. Well, unless, unless we change it, then it, it would be something like. So uh, have I mentioned that April is Go Vegan to Stop Climate Change Month yet? Uh, and the text says, wake up. See reality. Your appetite for meat, dairy, fish, and eggs is the number one cause of climate change and other environmental disaster. The world's leading climate scientists at the World Bank blame animal agriculture for at least 51% of human-generated greenhouse gas emissions. They also tell us that a massive global population shift to vegan living is the only solution before it's too late. And I say, see Goodland and Anhang, livestock and climate change. It is the only solution before... No, I, I, let me just continue with the text here. On the flyer that you'll be able to download shortly to distribute, 
this month and at Earth Day events and at all these climate marches at, on April 29th. Um, I went to the climate march in New York a few years ago. I guess I'll check to see if my megaphone is still working and maybe maybe I'll go to the one in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, in New York, they wanted me marching. They, they said, oh, we, we have a section for vegans, you know, so you, you can go march with the vegans. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm marching, you know, to, to, to bring a message to those marching, you know. Um, where was I on, the, uh, on this flyer here? So I said the world's leading climate scientists talking about um, at the World Bank blame animal agriculture for at least 51% of human generated greenhouse gas emissions. And I told you to see the work of Goodland and Henheim. Okay, so um, what it says in this flyer that you'll be able to download is it's time for the meaningful action that everyone can take going vegan, not burning jet fuel to go to D.C. for a feel-good march to nowhere. A carbon tax is a joke, not an answer. An alternative energy infrastructure will cost $35 trillion and take 20 years, neither of which we can afford. The past U.S. administration has committed us to fracking for at least the next 40 years, and, the, and there will be no change from the current administration. The change must be you. Don't be a climate denier. Don't be the problem. Be vegan. You will also be the solution for deforestation, resource depletion, water shortage, pollution, soil erosion, habitat destruction, and widespread use of GMOs. You simply cannot be a meat, dairy, fish, and egg-eating environmentalist. While you, uh, when you are a vegan, every day is Earth Day. So that'll be the text, and it'll go along with the, uh, the new campaign that we have, Vegan Vision 2020. Uh, this will be the launch, the beginning of our three-year campaign. And by the way, you can donate to Go Vegan Radio to help real environmentalism, you know, the, the kind of environmentalism that will actually save the world, uh, the, the environmentalism that has been identified as the world's, you know, by the world's top climate specialists as the only solution before it's too late. Um, so if, uh, if saving the world from climate change is a priority for you, you can make a donation at goveganradio.com. It's goveganradio.com. And uh, here we have April is uh, Go Vegan to Stop Climate Change Month. Uh, we declared it. We've got the power to declare it. And so that's what it is. Uh, Go Vegan to uh, Stop Climate Change Month. And really... You'll see what what will it be four or five hundred thousand people five hundred thousand people marching in Washington D.C. and 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 events, you know, all over the globe on April 29th, and everybody there will be ignoring the only solution, the only solution before it's too late. So even um, 
if if you go to Washington D.C. and uh, you, everybody speaks loud enough, five hundred thousand people speaking loud enough, so that Trump can hear from the you know from the White House window uh, the suggestion uh, that we have an alternative energy infrastructure. Even if Trump hears you and he agrees and he hears like, wow, what a great idea. Why didn't uh, I think of that? Uh, why didn't Obama think of that? You know. Uh, <laughs> so then uh, Trump will go down to Congress and con- convince uh, Congress to appropriate $35 trillion for the alternative ener- energy infrastructure. And that'll take 20 years. And we're told we need a 50 to 85% population shift away from so-called livestock products to living vegan by 2020. So uh, at Go Vegan Radio, we are establishing the Vegan Vision 2020, the Vegan Vision 2020 campaign. That's what we need to have happen. We need, you know, so so uh, there'll be, what, 500,000 people in Washington, D.C., 400,000 people. So, um uh, we would need uh, uh, 85,000, you know, we, we, we'd need uh, three, 400,000 people to go vegan to actually be doing something instead of singing songs and, and, and uh, dancing and chanting, holding hands with Fibbin Bill McKibben, the meat-eating environmentalist who promotes more meat as the solution. Can you believe that? 350.org promotes the opposite of what will save the planet. Fibbin Bill McKibben telling us, you know, who are we to deprive third world countries of the pleasure of eating meat, right? Who are we to deprive them of the heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes that we enjoy here in America that, that you know, just, just gives the healthcare industry so much work, keeps it so busy. So I don't know. What can I tell you? What can I tell you? I can tell you that uh, April is Go Vegan to Stop Climate Change Month. Let us promote that. Those of us who are vegan, um, shall we uh, embrace the truth? And I mean, it's up to us to get the word out. You're not going to hear it from the environmental movement. You're not going to hear it from uh, MSNBC, CNN, for sure. So it is up to us, uh, the the true... uh, I mean, how can how can you be um, you know a meat, dairy, fish, and egg eating environmentalist when the action you have to take, the real environmental action, is going vegan? So uh, maybe I'll get into the. Uh, we will continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at goveganradio.com. Uh, coming up in just a bit, commentary from Professor Gary Francione. And again, please support us in our efforts to save the animals, uh, improve human health, and save the environment. You can donate at GoVeganRadio.com. And uh, did I mention that you can donate at GoVeganRadio.com? I just wanted to mention that in case I forgot to
Twitter at Go Vegan Radio, Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. There are the two extraneous Bob Linden pages maxed out at 5,000 friends each. And uh, I'm told by by our friend uh, and producer of the show, Jacob Edward, that I need a group page that I've, I've done it all wrong having the two separate Bob Linden pages and the, the Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden fan page and uh, that we need a group page. So it looks like we're starting that um, pretty soon. So I hope you'll be friends there or like it or do whatever you're supposed to do. I would like to thank Vegetarian House for its ongoing support of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden year after year after year. Vegetarian House is one of the best vegan restaurants in the world. It is 100% vegan, organic, has wonderful raw selections there, great salads, soup. Well, just, I think, the best vegan burger. Um, just It's all just so good, so good. Um, amazing international cuisine. You can check out the menu at vegetarianhouse.us and uh, Vegetarian House also caters. So if you're in the Bay Area and you want to make your next event special, as in people will love the food and therefore love the event, uh, normally, uh, you know, good food, good music, uh, make an event, right? So if you have a a business event, a social event, you're getting married, you want the food to be great, uh, get in touch with Vegetarian House. Check out vegetarianhouse.us. And uh, Vegetarian House is at 520 East Santa Clara Street in San Jose. Uh, Definitely visit. It's closed on Tuesdays, closed tomorrow. And uh, really one of of the great dining experiences. So that's uh, Vegetarian House, which is uh, so supportive of this program, of this radio show. And Vegetarian House is being supportive of Radio Bobby and uh, getting a few dollars over to us so that we can cover the costs of the uh, music publishing fees for us to put on an online music radio station. That is uh, also part of our activism. Well, are we busy? We have a weekly radio show. We have Vegan Vision 2020, our environmental campaign. And we have Radio Bobby coming very soon, very, very soon. I've been working on amassing the music library, working on that day and night. I apologize if I'm behind on other things. I'm just really excited about bringing this, uh, what I feel will be the music experience of a lifetime. And I think music lovers will flock to Radio Bobby. And, uh, well, they, they, they might have to, they might have to, uh, you know, put up with hearing, a little of that vegan propaganda, um, you know, just uh, some news information, things about animals and human health and the environment that relate to veganism. Uh, a, a small price to pay for uh, what I feel will be for some people, you know, their their music experience of a lifetime. I really think that people are going to enjoy this. Uh, I've gotten about 1,500 songs together, so that I think that's a, a pretty good starting point, having 1,500 songs. I had to convert them from YouTube uh, from, from to, to MP3 uh, 
and which uh, took a long time. And then if it didn't have the artist and the song title and the CD, you had to go in by hand and put that there. But that's just about done, and we're just about to uh, to get it happening. And uh, again, I thank Vegetarian House for that. And uh, I think that vegans will enjoy Radio Bobby also, uh, of course, for what's on the air, uh, because we are music lovers, too. Oh, vegans, they're so strange. We love music, too. Um, but uh, vegans will be enjoying Radio Bobby without commercial interruptions for uh, you know, fast food restaurants or slash food restaurants. Actually, for, for anything, any, any products derived from animals. So you won't hear any commercials for anything, meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, or uh, leather, feathers, wool, silk, fur, um, circuses, rodeos. You know, you'll be safe. You'll be safe. So um, we'll only have advertising for vegan products and services at Radio Bobby. And um, so I'm getting all the music together. I have uh, some tracks from uh, Maccabee, Maccabee, a vegan reggae artist. People ask me, well, is it all going to be, you know, like vegan music? But uh, eh, there's not that much vegan music out there. I, 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 I couldn't come up with, you know, 1,500 songs about cucumbers, for example, you know, but and vegetables, but, uh, but, you know, I, I can come up with a few, and when I find them, I definitely will put them on the air. Like, well, Maccabee, and 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 Maccabee is celebrating, by the way, Maccabee's uh, celebrating Maccabee's Medical Monday. He calls it. Of course, Maccabee uh, wouldn't celebrate Meatless Mondays. Uh, I don't see why any vegans would celebrate Meatless Mondays either. Uh, when we say, "Go ahead." Do the wrong thing Tuesday through Sunday, and then even on Meatless Mondays, people interpret that to to mean, hey, let's have uh, dairy and eggs today. Let's have a cheese omelet. It's Meatless Monday, and in fact, the egg industry has thanked Meatless Monday for its highest egg sales in thirty years. Paul Souter of the uh, American Egg Board made that proclamation on the Diane Rehm Show, uh, thanking Meatless Mondays for uh, the highest egg sales in 30 years. So there we have the, you know, the the misled animal rights movement, you know, supporting the wrong cause again, just like supporting cage-free eggs. How how can we celebrate that that every hen? Uh, will be tortured, imprisoned, um, and uh, and killed. Every hen and every male born will be ground alive at birth or suffocated. And that's the campaign from the animal rights movement. Huh? So uh, meatless Mondays have turned into uh, dairy and egg Mondays for most people. Presumably they, they also consider it, you know, Fish Monday, Chicken Monday, all the vegetarians who think they're vegetarians uh, because they eat chicken and fish, um, all the vegetarians who think they're vegetarians. <laughs> what what does that mean to be vegetarian and not be vegan? It just makes no sense. Um, so anyway, uh, so Maccabee uh, says, no, it's it's not Meatless Monday. It's uh, it's uh, 
Oh, and by the way, don't you think on Tuesday people pile it on? You know, it's like because they feel like, hey, yesterday I deprived myself of meat by only having, you know, cheese omelets and yogurt, cheese, cheese and milk and whatever, butter, whatever. Um, so on Tuesday, let's double up the meat. huh? So the day after Meatless Monday, let's have double the meat Tuesday. I think that's probably what goes on in people's minds. Shouldn't we be just be talking about going vegan? Well, you know, Maccabee uh, has, uh, you know, an idea for Medical Monday. And, uh, and as you know, 1,500 songs, how many, how, many, how many songs can be about a, a cucumber? What do you think? How, okay. Welcome to Maccabee's Medical Monday. Today it's all about this, the cucumber, or as they call it in Jamaica, cucumber. Cucumba, 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 cucumba. Vitamins, minerals, very high number. Silica, here and near, get longer. Other vitamins make your bones them stronger. Anti-wrinkle, make you look younger. Mm. 95% water, kidney cleanser, great hydrator. Detox, fiber, good regulator. Give your body good things, don't be a traitor. Get the cucumber, cut it in a slice. Put it in a jug of water overnight. You know what you get for a fraction of the price? Energy drink full of electrolyte. Roaring salad is one of the user. As a base for your vegetable juice. Another surprise, put a slice on your eyes Take away the dryness, revitalize Oh yes, one thing I have left Cucumber can also help with bad breath Wash with the bacteria that cause the odor Cucumber water instead of soda Cucumber 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 one of the 1500 songs that you'll hear uh when we launch radio bobby from maccabee kakumba kakumba and listen to all the benefits of that kakumba huh he talked me into slicing it up and putting it in water overnight and he called, he said it's an energy drink and i had that before the show and uh i'm still awake so i'm going with him for that so um a song about the cucumber. So, <laughs> I don't know. You, th- you I, I, th- there aren't that many songs about vegetables. I'll, you know, I'm I'm looking for a song about radishes next, and you know, but you know, but uh, the songs that there are about vegetables, you can be sure that you will hear on Radio Bobby. <laughs> I'm gonna be round my vegetables. I'm gonna chop down my vegetables. I love you most of all. My favorite vegetable. Take a hold of the crown. If you brought a big brown bag of them home, I'd jump up and down and hoped it tossed me a carrot. I'm gonna keep well my vegetables card 
station with uh, just you know four songs rotating because you know there are four songs about vegetables kakumba kakumba um it will be really phenomenal music i'm sure if you if you're a music lover you're going to appreciate the multi-genre approach that we take you know i was a program director in terrestrial radio uh before it was called terrestrial radio and it was just called radio I was a program director all around the country, uh, from rock stations to jazz, world music. Um, so I think you're really going to appreciate the variety of great music that you will hear on Radio Bobby coming soon. A radio station, you know, like you've like you've never heard ever in your life. This will be a completely different music experience for you. I'm sure you'll love it. I wish you could go to it right now. It's coming soon. Any day now, you'll hear songs about vegetables, uh, songs about kakumba, um, and uh, just you know, a lot of the greatest music from decades past. So definitely uh, stay with us. I'll let you know when, when we're launching. It's, it's coming soon. If you'd like to donate uh, to help us cover the costs of the music licensing fees so we can have it on the air, uh, it is vegan activism. We we figure out the uh, the darndest ways of uh, vegan activism, and uh, this this is some of it. Uh, in fact, people may not even realize it's vegan activism. They'll like the music so much, and then they'll hear a, a vegan message, and before you know it. So, anyway, if you can help us out with that, we uh, greatly appreciate it. There are always expenses associated with whatever we're doing. It's amazing that we've accomplished so much over the years. Um, so, but we've got to keep on keeping on and help the world go vegan. We'll continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden coming up in just a bit. We will hear from uh, Professor Gary Francione and uh, commentary from him as we do on a weekly basis. So stay with us. It's Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. You can support us with a donation at goveganradio.com. Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com, on Twitter at GoVeganRadio, Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. 
and thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. We know that you could be uh, watching uh, MSNBC, CNN, uh, but uh, it's nice, nice to take uh, a break uh, away from fake news once in a while, right? So, oh, you know, the other day I was, uh, I spent the afternoon running around after two lost dogs in the neighborhood who were running through traffic, a German Shepherd and a Chihuahua. And uh, I hate these episodes, you know, they, they make me frantic. But this one worked out fine uh, for all three of us. Uh, got lucky this time and they came to me, you know, was <laughs> they initially they were nervous, but they came to me. So I managed to get, somehow get them back to where they live. And so I would like to ask you to please uh, put a tag with your phone number on your dog's collar. Now, for taking walks, like when Daisy and I walk, I use a harness with her leash, which is much better for walking. But I really think that even around the house, even, you know, just at home, if they could wear a collar with a tag that has your phone number, that would be great because I, I know it'll never happen to you. They can't get loose. They can't get out. They won't get out. But then when it does happen, even though they couldn't and they wouldn't and they shouldn't, um, how will you be found? And so, you know, in this case, somebody inadvertently left the garage door open. Well, it's that time of year. People are doing yard work. So doors and gates accidentally get open. You know, uh, people go on vacation, vacation season coming up, and they have somebody look after the animals at the house, and they forget to close the door. So uh, this has happened a few times with me when uh, trying to help dogs who were loose in the streets. And without without the collar and name tag, it really makes it difficult. So uh, please uh, do yourself and... Uh, do the dogs a favor, please, 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 even around the house, even though they'll never get loose. Well, look at this. Uh, cannabis over cows. Richard Branson tells farmers to grow weed instead of cows. This, what are we talking about here, Richard? Uh, this is a, an article in Live Science. Let's see. Uh, and uh, Casey Damer wrote it. That's the headline. Cannabis over cows. Richard Branson tells farmers to grow weed. And so says that uh, Virgin Group founder and billionaire Sir Richard Branson. Hmm. You get to be a sir if you're a billionaire, apparently. Okay. Virgin founder and billionaire Sir Richard Branson thinks that instead of raising cows, farmers in New Zealand should grow cannabis, he said in a recent interview with News Hub. During a visit to the country to speak at a charity fundraiser, Branson said he predicts that within the next 10 years, marijuana use will be just as acceptable as drinking wine, he told News Hub uh, in New Zealand. It is currently, oh, 
he told News Hub, period. In New Zealand, it is currently illegal to grow, possess, or use cannabis. Move the microphone here for a second. It says, during the interview, uh, let me knock over the microphone. Okay. Uh, during the interview, uh, during a visit to the country to speak at its... Oh, did I just read that? Okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Next paragraph, please. During the interview, Branson said that the war on drugs has failed and that legalization of marijuana would be an economic benefit. Is marijuana a drug? I thought it was a weed. A plant, something that grows from the earth. A drug? Um, now, what drugs kill the most people? It's the pharmaceuticals. But that wasn't in this Richard Branson article. In the Richard Branson article, it says, quote, We've done a lot of studies on the war on drugs, and it's been an abject failure, Branson told News Hub. Uh, what is absolutely clear uh, what is absolutely clear to us is that drugs should be decriminalized and people who have drug problems should be helped. Branson said that legalizing marijuana would be economically advantageous uh, both for the farmers to grow and for the government to uh, tax and regulate. Uh, it says uh, dairy farming... Dairy farming is the main agricultural industry in New Zealand, with more than 5 million dairy cows being milked uh, in the country, according to uh, Dairy NZ, an organization of New Zealand dairy farmers. In 2015, about 6,950 square miles, or 18,000 square kilometers, were used for dairy farming, according to Dairy NZ, which uh, I can't picture it, but it sounds like a pretty big area to me. Uh, Branson suggested that rather than uh, expanding current dairy operations, New Zealand should look to cannabis farming as an alternative, saying that it would have a, a smaller environmental impact. Uh, he says, quote, I think that would be wonderful because obviously the amount of dairy cows that New Zealand has is damaging the rivers. If you could put some of that land uh, over into growing cannabis, it would be just as profitable uh, to them, uh, if not more profitable. Uh, and continuing to quote the article here, it says, Although cows used for beef are often cited as a major drain on environmental resources, dairy cows also damage the environment. So it's not just cows for beef, it's dairy cows too. And aren't dairy cows used for beef? Um, but anyway, I digress. Although cows used for beef often are often cited as a major uh, drain on the environment, on environmental resources, Dairy cows also damage the environment. According to the EPA, the runoff from cow excrement uh, can affect the ecological health of rivers and other fresh water. Of course, how could we not know that? 
Uh, cows are also a major source of methane, which in New Zealand, maybe they call methane. Um, cows are also a major source of methane, a greenhouse gas uh, that traps the infrared radiation, which contributes to global warming. I mean, I've seen figures that methane is a uh, hundred times uh, more damaging than, than carbon. Um, and so, uh, okay, News Hub asked, uh, News Hub asked William uh, Rolleston, national president of New Zealand Farmer Advocacy Group, Federated Farmers, if farmers would act on Branson's idea to choose cannabis over cows. Quote, farmers welcome any opportunity to add uh, another string uh, to their bow and would look at the option only if it was legal and profitable to do so, uh, end quote. Uh, but that is a long way down the track, he said. Well, anyway, um, why would he have to say that it's another string to their bow? Why, why, why do we need such a you know violent metaphor? I don't know. But anyway, um, there you have it. Richard Bronson recommending weed over uh, cows to New Zealand, which has been taken over by the dairy industry. Not good. So um, I do want to thank Evolution, Evolution uh, Dog and Cat Food, Vegan. It is vegan. Daisy loves it. It's her brand. Um, she loves the uh, canned Evolution dog food. And she also likes the dry food, which uh, when she gets it isn't that dry because I soak it in water. So um, Evolution is... You know, really happening, you know. All your all your family members need to be, be vegan. Dogs and cats too, you know. The the dogs, especially, you know. You, you care about them. You want to have a collar on with a tag with your phone number, and you want to feed them healthy. Um, if you check the archives, a few weeks back, we interviewed Eric Weissman from Evolution, and he talked about what goes into commercial pet food or so-called pet food, and uh, also actually what goes into the feed of the animals whom you eat. So I recommend checking out that archive and uh, sure that after hearing that, uh, the animals whom you eat will, you know, I think you, you may not, you may not want to eat them anymore. And uh, you certainly want to move away from the commercial uh pet food, dog food, uh, that actually, you know, has who, who, who is in it. It's not just what's in it, who is in it, you know, and, uh, it's, it's rendered dogs and cats. It's, uh, the scrapings off the slaughterhouse floor. So, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's evolve to, uh, evolution and you can go to, uh, petfoodshop.com to order, also, why don't I have it in front of me? There was a phone number that Eric Weissman gave me to call Evolution. And if you mention Bob Linden, we'll get a donation. But uh, that, that should concern me. If, if, if I were HSUS, believe me, the, that phone number would be like everywhere. Because HSUS, you know, every dollar, every, you know, every dollar. I don't really like asking for money, you know, but I'm a nonprofit and... Uh, 
we need funds to operate, and uh, our cause is veganism. So I think I should ask for money, shouldn't I? Shouldn't I ask for money? Shouldn't I ask for you to make a donation to Go Vegan Radio and find the donate button at goveganradio.com? I just just don't like to ask for money, but uh, I should ask for money. So um, imagine imagine that I were saying right now, you know, that I were asking for money the the, the very best way, the, the way that would make, motivate you to go make a donation at goveganradio.com. Imagine that I'm saying that right now because I'm not very good at asking for money. Okay, uh, coming up on the program, we will have commentary with Professor uh, Professor Gary Francione um, and uh, Anna Charlton, I do believe. She was with him this week. So uh, that's coming up on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And uh, have I mentioned that you can donate to support this program? Okay, we continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com, on Twitter at GoVeganRadio, and Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Um, and it is time for our weekly commentary with Professor Gary Francione, the first academic to teach animal rights theory in an American law school at Rutgers University. Um, Gary Francione and Anna Charlton uh, will be conducting a free webinar coming up on April 8th, and um, that is Animal Ethics, Your Questions Answered. And uh, it's interesting, Gary, during the break, I know that uh, <laughs> my my producer, Jacob, was interested, and he wound up asking you a question about, uh, you know, is it... Uh, uh, would it be is, is it advantageous for somebody who cares about animals to become a lawyer? And uh, right there, I, I could imagine somebody asking that at the webinar. You know, that, that's actually a frequently asked question. People people uh, people think that uh, having a law degree allows you to be an animal rights lawyer, and there is no such thing as animal rights law. There's only animal welfare law. Animal welfare law is useless. It is not only does it, does it not help animals, but it's actually counterproductive because it encourages people to believe that it's all right to continue to exploit animals. What you can do as a lawyer is you're able to help people who are trying to help animals. So you can represent people who are uh, in need of legal help so that they can do things to help animals. Yes, you can do that sort of thing. You can represent people who want to protest, for example, and who are being uh, stopped from doing so by the police or in, in some way having their First Amendment rights frustrated. You can do that. Uh, I mean, when, when, I, when, when Anna and I ran the animal rights law clinic at Rutgers, we did things like we represented students who didn't want to dissect or vivisect in the classroom, but that was a, you know that that was a human right that happened to involve animals. But basically, we were representing humans, and we were representing humans who had certain human rights. Um, when we represented prisoners who wanted vegan food, again, we were representing humans who have human rights, although in the case of prisoners, very, very limited human rights. Uh, but we were representing people, you know, we were representing humans with human rights who happened to want to exercise those rights with respect to animals. But, you know, the idea that you can be an animal rights lawyer is, um, is sort of silly. And, you know, every time I get 
these um, these solicitations. I'm on the list, the email list for uh, the Animal Legal Defense Fund, and I have to tell you, this the emails that I get from those people are just um, <laughs> they're really just sad um, because the sorts of things that I mean, most of the time, what they're doing is they're 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 talking about animal cruelty. And they're talking about, you know, they get involved when somebody injures an animal and there's an anti-cruelty charge and they want the, the, the penalty to be as stiff as possible, etc. Um, but, you know, animal cruelty cases are inherently problematic because when we talk about animal cruelty, it's as if, you know, all of, all of our use of animals involves cruelty. But we pull out, you know, we, we isolate a particular... Um, set of, 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 of actions and we call that animal cruelty and we impose legal sanctions on that, on that conduct um, as if it's different from the other things that people do. So when, when, when somebody injures, a, you know, somebody imposes suffering on a dog, you know, and, and you know, uh, hurts a dog, it, we say, oh, that's cruelty and that's terrible. But we, the people who are saying that, are people who are people who consume animals and wear leather and wool and 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 whatnot and fur um, and and you know and, and exploit animals in other ways. And we pretend as if we're not exploiters and it's other people who are exploiters. This is a problem. This is this is this is a real problem when we talk about animal cruelty cases because animal cruelty cases apply to a very 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 small segment of the uses of animals that we make. So, so you know, and we pretend that we are a, quote, humane society, not, not humane society in the sense of that large organization, which... I, I, I would never but, pretend to be that. Right, but, but we, we pretend that we are, we are a society that is humane or a group of people that is humane because we believe in anti-cruelty laws and we enforce anti-cruelty laws. But that's nonsense because anti-cruelty laws apply to a tiny, 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 tiny sliver of the activities, um, you know, that, that we engage in, um, you know, uh, in which we harm animals. And we pretend that everything else is not cruel. But it is. It's exactly the same. I mean, I remember there being um, a few years ago uh, animal advocates um, were all excited about these registra- registries. You know, you know how they have registries for people who engage in child molesta- molestation? Well, they have, you know, there, there was a move, there may still be, for all I know, we live in a silly world and there is a proliferation of silly ideas, so it wouldn't surprise me if this silly idea was, in fact, still popular. But it was this idea of, um, of having a registry for people who engaged in cruelty uh, 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 violations. You know, and we, and, you know they, would be, they would be basically tracked throughout their entire life and we would, like, tell people when they moved, you know, that they were in their community and they were animal abusers and blah, blah, blah. blah. But it's basically a registry for animal people who are engaged in, 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 in cruelty violations. Well, you know what? If you're going to have a if you're going to have a registry for people who engage in cruelty violations, everybody who's not a vegan's got to be on that registry. <laughs> and, to, and to and to the extent to the extent that not everybody not every non-vegan is on the, you know if, if you have a registry and non-vegans are not on it, then you're excluding a big chunk. You're excluding the largest chunk of people who abuse and exploit animals, and you're pretending. That that the the people who buy chicken um, at their store or who drink milk or who eat eggs 
are somehow different from the people who, you know, kick dogs and, you know, and throw cats into, into to, to, you know, waste bins and things like that. I mean, those things are obviously all horrible things to do, but they're not, they're not qualitatively different from the sorts of everyday activities that people engage in, uh, that people do when they're, when they're uh, you know, exploiting animals. And we don't call it cruelty because it has the sanction, it has the approval of law. So, you know, this is, this is the, the, you know, so, so every time I get one of these, and, and, and you know, I get, I get, you know, I get, I get them with some frequency. And sometimes I, I blog about, you know, sometimes I, I, I do Facebook posts about them, you know, depending on how, how absurd they are. And sometimes they're pretty absurd. But, you know, you get these, these things from the Animal Legal Defense Fund, help us to protect animals. And they'll, they'll tell you something about, you know, puppy mills. And, okay, fine, puppy mills, they're horrible. Are they any, you know, are, are they, are, is responsible, is, quote, responsible, end quote, breeding any better? I have a dog who was rescued from a, quote, responsible, end quote, breeder, a dog that was used for, quote, responsible, end quote, breeding. I've had the dog for 18, 19 months now, 19 months. I still can't touch the dog because he's a feral dog, and he came from a, quote, responsible breeder. Nobody ever touched him. So I have a dog who was never touched for nine years. And I, you know, I remember, he was let out of I remember a uh, the Humane Society uh, of the United States saying, buy from a responsible breeder. Um, I don't really know what that means. Uh, there is no such thing. There is no such thing as a responsible breeder. There are only, there are only, irres- you know, all breeding is wrong. Some breeders are worse than other breeders. Some slave owners were worse than other slave owners. Doesn't mean you can sort of say that better slave owners represented an institution of legitimate slavery. They didn't, and so you know, I mean, I mean, was, was this dog, the, the dog that I adopted, uh, he was not being kept in a, you know, in in the, the sorts of 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 of, of conditions that you find in puppy mills in Amish country in Pennsylvania. That's true. He wasn't. He was kept in a, you know, he was kept in a backyard situation, but he was never touched for nine years. Nobody ever was kind to him. Nobody ever interacted with him. They just opened the cage, let him out, let him stud, put him back in the cage for nine years. I got a dog I can't touch. He's a lovely dog. And you know what's really sad is he wants to interact. He's desperate to interact, but he just is completely, he's like a wolf. I mean, we've had, we had somebody come to the house uh, who, was, who was an expert in wolf behavior, and, who said, and she said she had never seen a dog behave so much just like a, you know, like a wolf. I mean, he, he circles. He, uh, his, his activity is very, very much like that of a wolf. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, it's very, very sad. But this is, he came from a situation of responsible breeding. So he, he, is, he is one of the, you know, one of the dogs that is not being targeted by groups like the Animal Legal Defense Fund that are obsessed about puppy mills. And so we tell ourselves that certain forms of exploitation are cruel and the rest of them aren't. Or by implication, the rest of them are different. They're not. I'm, I'm always you know? amazed when so, people say that they're violating the uh, Humane Slaughter Act, you know, I mean, like... Uh... Exactly, exactly. You know, it's like, it's like these, you know, the, one, one, of the, one of the things that are, you know, it's really very popular is this idea that, you know, we ought to put, we ought to, you know, that, 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 that uh, we, we have to deal with abuses in the slaughter situation. I got news for you. If the slaughtering situation is done in a completely legal way and completely in conformity with regulations, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. 
So I mean, it's not that it's not that there are no abuses. The whole the whole the whole situation is abusive. The whole process is abusive from beginning to end. It is abusive. And so this idea that, that we can stop the abuses in the slaughtering system, it's just, it's just a fancy, I mean, it's ridiculous. It, is, it assumes that regulated exploitation is not abusive. That is just nonsense. Right. And, you know, and, 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 and so, so you know, when I, was in Britain, the, when I was in Britain a couple of weeks ago, a number of people asked me about, I, I guess um, some of the groups there, Animal Aid um, and maybe some others, I don't know, but Animal Aid certainly, has this campaign to put CCTV cameras in slaughterhouses. What a stupid idea. I mean, what all that does is the existence of cameras and slaughter. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to stream it live on television? They're not going to do it. They're not going to do that. You know, do you think, do you think the footage is going to be, like, available to anybody who wants to look at it? And the answer is no. That's not going to be the case. What you're going to do is you're going to have to the extent that you have CCTV cameras and slaughterhouses and, and abattoirs, then you tell people, well, it's being regulated. You know, everything's being done in conformity with regulations, and there are, there are, there are cameras there to make sure. And that makes everybody feel that everything's okay. Right. There was that, you know? that same campaign in France where it was decided that only a few, um, you know, a, a few people would see it. People in the animal industry would, would see whatever video. So what's the point? I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I, I mean, look, if, if, the, if slaughtering is done... In complete conformity with law, it's horrible. It is horrible. I don't care whether it's regulated or not. It's a horrible process. The animals are absolutely terrified. You know, they're, in every slaughterhouse I've ever seen in my life, the animals are completely freaked out. And it's not a question of whether they see what's going on or whether you can stop them. From, they smell it. They know, they know, I mean, you know, they know, they know what's happening. The fear is palpable. And so this idea, it's a horrible process. So the fact that you've got, you know, that you've got, you've got people who, you know, you've got slaughterhouse workers who may kick them um, or who may do other really horrible things. The whole process is horrible. Right. The, the animals the don't want to move. They don't they want they don't want to die. And then we say, oh, look, he's he's kicking them to make the, uh, you know, the animals move, you know, or or prodding them or, you know, I mean, well, what do you expect? They 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 don't want to walk to their death. No, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, and they can in most situations, they can use they can use electro prods. I mean, they, you know, in a completely legal way. Um, they're not supposed to kick them, um, but you know. But I mean, if you do it, if you do it complete in a completely legal way, it's absolutely, positively, barbarically horrible. Right. And so this idea that well, we're gonna we're gonna make it better by getting rid of the abuses, and we're gonna have CCTV cameras in the slaughterhouses, that is just palpable nonsense. That's about us. It ain't about them. Yeah, That's what, not about what, what animals. a waste of time and energy away from sure uh, convincing people sure to is. go vegan or asking people sure to go vegan. But yet, but yet, it's once again another idiot campaign that you can get a lot of people who eat animals to donate to because they say, ah, yeah, that's right. I'm against. I mean, you know, look, Bob, you know, how many times do we hear people say, you know, I'm not, I'm not a vegan. I'm not in favor of animal rights. But, you know, I'm terribly opposed to any abusing of animals. And, and so you get people, you know, a CCTV camera 
campaign, well, you get lots of non-vegans donating to that. And that's what animal campaigns are all about. They're about opportunities for non-vegans to give other people, to give animal people money so that animal people can, you know, can dispense their little imprimaturs, their little indulgences, and make the non-vegans feel less guilty about being non-vegans. That's what it's about. It's the business of selling indulgences. Well, uh, look, uh, and so you know, I mean, it's the way it works. Members and what, ninety percent aren't vegan, I'm sure, or more. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like you know. I remember the the, the real you know years ago. You, uh, uh, years ago, uh, they did an interview something in some California newspaper with Dan Matthews of PETA, and and the guy who was the guy who was interviewing Dan um, said, um, you know, we sat down and I said, you know, do you mind if I you know eat a order a cheeseburger? And Dan, you know, said something like, you know, yeah, go ahead, you know. Half of the people, in, you know, half of the PETA members aren't aren't uh, vegetarians. You know, the, you know, I, I don't remember the. Exact, I've written about it. I don't remember the exact quote, but he was basically saying, you know, half of the people, you know, who belong to PETA aren't vegetarian. Um, and and um, you know, and and I think a lot of the a lot of these groups, what they've done, you know, in order to keep their donor bases very very large, they're basically promoting campaigns that non-vegans can support and give money to. But these campaigns are useless. There's one campaign that works, a campaign for unequivocal vegan advocacy and making it clear to people that you want to change things, you stop eating them, wearing them, using them, end the story, not rocket science, really simple. Sounds good to me. You know, anything <laughs> else Anything else is nonsense. Sounds good. Anything else is complete nonsense. That's why I consider myself a vegan activist. You know, that's that's right. It's exactly. I mean, you know, it's like that is that is why. I mean, you know, one of the things I do is I develop something that I sort of think of as vegan philosophy. You know, it is it is you know it is the the philosophy of veganism as part of sort of a a a matter of social justice and fundamental rights. You know, and and I, I was reading, and you know, I don't know if you saw the L.A. Times um, had a had an editorial, which I actually thought when I first read it, I, I actually I did I uh, until I realized it was for real. I thought it was an April Fool's thing, but it was on April second, and I thought this is really odd to have a buffoonish sort of uh, essay like this from this Brian Cateman who runs the Reducetarian Foundation. Did you see that 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 editorial, the no. opinion piece that he had in the Los Angeles Times? No, I didn't see it. It was. It, it, it really is worth reading, Bob. If only to sort of read something that really should have been printed on April Fool's Day, um, but is printed on a day later. And and how how um, bizarre it really is. It, it's it's an essay from this guy who runs this this is this business this reducitarian business, and um, he's basically saying how how you know vegetarians and vegans don't get along and. And how that's a that's a manifestation of like you know how people on the left are you know critical of each other you know more so than they are critical of conservatives or whatever. And what he just doesn't get, what this guy really just doesn't get or doesn't want to get because it's inconsistent with his with his business plan, um, is that um, the reason why vegetarians, the reason why the reason why I think vegetarianism is an incoherent moral position 
is because I don't see any difference between vegetarians and the rest of the, the society. I mean, people are eating animal products. It doesn't really matter what animal products they're eating. Right, and we're talking and the about non-vegan we vegetarians here because some people equate right. some people equate vegetarian with vegan, but no, we're talking about the vegetarians who eat dairy, eggs, right. sometimes fish and chicken. They consider themselves to be vegetarian. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so you know, I mean, I, I, I. I just find this sort of, you know, this, this, oh, well, you know, how pathological it is. Psychologists say, this guy, this, 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 this foolish person is talking about it. Psychologists say, as if psychologists have anything to say, anything to say about what is a fundamental moral position. I don't really care what psychologists have to say. I don't really care what psychologists say about whether... Um, you know, what they have to say about the vegan critique of non-vegan vegetarianism. Oh, so, I, so I really he, just don't he's care. He's equating that with the, the left, uh, the, the, the left criticizing the left, right? Is that what you're... Right, ex exactly. It's this, it's, this, it's this idea of what's his expression. His expression is, the, you know, he says, he says um, people whose ideologies are close but not identical often... Hate each other, other uh, hate each other the most. Consider the quarrels among various branches of progressives captured in the phrase "the left eats its own." Freud called this phenomenon "quote the narcissism of small differences." End quote. Well, you know, there's Freud. You know, the guy who thought that you know the the you know that the, the women's problems were largely reducible to the fact that they did not have penises. Um, but I mean, putting putting aside putting aside um, you know the the patriarchal uh, nonsense of Freud, um, this idea of of the narcissism of small differences. It's not a small difference. There's a huge difference between violating the fundamental rights of animals and not doing so. And, and well, so you know, it, it, the fact that sense, somebody though, is I, a vegetarian, I, I can is a non-vegetarian, um, is, as far as I'm concerned, irrelevant. They're, they're no different from anybody else. They, just, they may not eat meat, but they're eating dairy, they're eating eggs, they're eating products that are the result of suffering, death, and injustice. Right. But so people, people group often group vegans and vegetarians together when they should actually be grouping vegetarians and meat eaters together. Well, that's, that's exactly right. It's not a question of the narcissism of small differences. It's a question of the fact that some people are not intelligent enough or apparently intelligent enough to understand that, um, you know, that, that there are taxonomies and classifications here which make no sense. So to say that I have something in that I have, I have more in common with a vegetarian than I do with a, a non-vegan, that, that I have with anybody else is nonsense. I mean, it's like saying I have more in common with somebody who loves animals but eats, you know, like, uh, in, in other words, if somebody says, well, it's a narcissism of small differences, you've got, a, you've got somebody who really is a dog lover but eats meat and everything else. And, you know, but you've got something, you know, you've got something really in common with that person. Well, you know, look, unless you're dealing with somebody who has a, who has on principle a pathological hatred of all animals, you know, everybody's going to like animals on some, some level. Right. You know, most people like animals. Most people like animals. Mm -hmm. And, and, but, 
but my, but but just about everyone will like them in some way. I mean, you know, even if you've got somebody that, well, you know, I don't like dogs per se, but I love certain, you know, highly bred, you know, expensive, super expensive, you know, breeds and things. I mean, you know, as I say, almost everybody, you know, uh, uh, likes animals in in some sense. And, and, and even people who don't like animals in a general way will like them in some specific ways. They'll, they'll like certain, you know, animals like horses, like racing horses or like certain, uh, uh, uh breeds of dogs or cats or whatever. Um, but almost everybody will fall into that category. So I've got something in common with everybody. Uh, the answer is no. You know, I mean, it, it's it's this is ridiculous. I mean, this is this is absolutely ridiculous. It, well, that that um, is kind of a lowest common denominator. I mean, we all have that in common, but you know, I mean, that's that's like lowest common denominator in common, right? I mean, well, yeah, but but and then this guy goes on to say, well, you know, that's that's what, you know, I, I, we've we've got some, you know, he's promoting reducitarianism because you know he thinks that you know we ought not to sort of fall, we ought not to, to fall into this idea that. Um, you know that there are these the dichotomies that it's really sort of all on a spectrum and we, and those of us who care about animals have something in common with each other and that is absolute nonsense and it is nothing i mean it's absolute nonsense mm-hmm. so this is look bob it's 2017 you know <laughs> donald trump is president and people tell us that we have to be concerned about the narcissism of small differences um, because of something that they call horizontal horizontal hostility, because they don't understand what they're talking about. These are the de- these are the times we live in, and, and people and like way, that by, now have by, a flat. By that same um, metaphor, I suppose, uh, re- regarding the left. I mean, I don't consider myself. I thought I was in the left for uh, like <laughs> all my life until recently. When now I don't. I feel like the the left. Uh, has become the 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 new non-vegan vegetarian to me. I mean, I don't feel that I have things in common with people who want to go to war with Russia, who are warmongers, who support Wall Street, um, who 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 are you know pseudo environmentalists, and um, that to me has uh, that that's what the left has become right now, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I, I mean, it depends what you mean by the left. I mean, I, I think there's always been this idea that you know a lot of people think that liberal and left means the same thing in the same way that they think that, well, vegetarians and vegans, oh, what the hell, they're all the same. Um, you know, and, and there's a huge difference between, some, you know, between somebody who has some sort of neoliberal philosophy and somebody who has a really progressive leftist philosophy in terms of promoting redistribution of resources and promoting, you know, promoting, uh, uh, I mean, as a, as a general matter, uh, liberals don't promote um, radical redistribution of resources. They may, they may, they may favor certain policies that allocate resources in different sorts of ways. Everybody does. Conservatives do that as well. It's just they have different policies that redistribute, you know, that that, that allocate resources, uh, and they have different groups that are the beneficiaries of those allocations. But everybody, you know, all all political. You know, everybody in the in the you know the the Democratic and the Republican parties, for example, by and large promote um, you know various various sorts of resource distribution. Um, but but a, a, somebody who is left might say, "Look, I believe in socialism. You know, I'm I'm not really interested in democratic neoliberal policies. I'm interested in 
in socialism. I think that we ought to have a radical redistribution. And, you know, I'm not necessarily advocating complete equality. I'm not advocating communism. But I'm advocating a more, you know, I'm advocating democratic socialism. That is a different position. So, so to say that, well, you know, a democratic socialist should not argue with, you know, traditional centrist Democrats because they're all, you know, part of the left is nonsense. They're very, very different. And to sort of say to reduce that to the narcissism of small differences is absurd. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you get this, I mean, you know, I, I mean, the number of times I hear these, I hear animal people. Animal people really sort of are, as a group, some of the most confused human beings on the planet. They really are. I mean, they're just, they, bring, they, they give a whole new meaning to the expression confused. Um, and, you know, they'll say things like, well, but we've got so much more in common with vegetarians. And the answer is, no, we don't. I have nothing, I have no more in common with a vegetarian than I do with anybody else who eats any other animal products. I mean, you know, I, I have nothing more in common with a vegetarian than I have with an omnivore. Any more than I have, you know, that I have something in common with somebody who, like, eats everything under the sun and, you know, owns a slaughterhouse but happens to like dogs. I, I guess what what's in common is both avoid uh, products from pigs. I think that might be right, right because uh, uh, the, that's the only thing that a vegetarian might say from an animal point of view is, I don't uh, use pr products from pigs, but cows and chickens, you know, continue. Yeah, I mean, exa exactly. I mean, it's like, right? it, you know, if do I have anything in common with somebody who says that, you know, I don't eat products from pigs? And the answer is, well, not really. Um, you know, I mean, I, 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 I mean, if you're eating animals, I don't really care whether you're eating pigs or cows or chickens or fish or whatever. You're eating animals. You shouldn't be doing that. That's not morally justifiable. You're violating fundamental rights. You may not be violating the fundamental rights of particular animals, but you're violating the, the, the fundamental rights of animals generally, and that, that means that you and I are not part of the same situation. You know, as I, I, I think I've mentioned this example, you know, giving you this example before, but many years ago when I remember being invited to the summit for the animals in like 1990, 91 or whatever, and I went and Henry Spira, who was now passed on, who had started, um, well, he was, he was actually a, one, of the, one of the earliest animal rights campaigners in this country. And in many ways, I liked, I liked many of Henry's views, but I disagreed with many of Henry's views. And one of his views was that we had to work with industry to make things better. And he gave this, this talk about how important it was for all animal advocates to congratulate McDonald's because I, I, I forgot what it was we were supposed to congratulate McDonald's for. I don't remember whether it, it was something like, you know, they had agreed to, you know, to, to get meat from slaughterhouses that only Temple Grandin approved or some nonsense like that. And I remember, you know, saying to Henry and saying to the group, whatever movement y'all are, I mean, whatever movement I'm a part of, I mean, McDonald's is on the other side. <laughs> you know, I'm not on the same side as McDonald's. And so this idea that we ought to ban, you know, that we ought to be congratulating McDonald's and we ought to be praising McDonald's, the answer is, no, I'm sorry, I, you know, I, McDonald's, I mean, you know, McDonald's is, 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 is you know, they're the, they're the suppliers. They're not really the problem. The problem is the people who demand. 
And so, you know, yeah, I don't agree with what McDonald's is doing. I think that their business is fundamentally immoral and it's based on the violation of, of, of the fundamental rights of non-humans. But they exist only because people demand their product. Right. If people stopped demanding their product, McDonald's would go out of business. Mm-hmm. And then, and so, then we help perpetuate McDonald's. Look at how McDonald's has right, become the exactly, exactly, for- exactly. We perpetuate McDonald's by telling people, by telling animal advocates, oh yes, yeah, support McDonald's because they're you know they're only buying meat from happy slaughterhouses that Temple Grandin uh, has designed and put her stamp of approval on. And they will be using how- cage-free eggs in ten years. So let's put their exactly, logo exactly, on our exactly, exactly. How absurd! I mean, we you know we 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 keep. We're keeping McDonald's in business, but, but we're doing so by promoting the idea that eating eggs, you know, sold by that particular, by a particular vendor is a morally good thing to do. This is problematic. Right, because you know, McDonald's this is has really become the good guy then in that case, you know. Exactly, exactly. And it's, it's, it really is fascinating, you know, that we have a movement. We have a movement where animal advocates, those lovely but horribly confused people support things like reducitarianism, which is obscene. When you think about it, if you apply that thinking to any issue involving human rights, you would see its obscenity. If I had an organization that was promoting reducitarianism, molest fewer children, rape fewer women, Abuse fewer elder people. Abuse fewer people who are mentally disabled. Only abuse on, uh, you know, well, maybe refrain from abuse on Mondays. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if we had, if we had, if we had move, if we had organizations that promoted human rights violation reductions in that way, we would see their obscenity. But because we are speciesistic because animal people promote speciesism, and they do. They make millions and billions of dollars off of it. It's a big business. I'm not even sure I, I understand the specifics of reducitarian in that how are people supposed to do it? Are they supposed to, are they saying, well, two meals a week? I'm, I mean, I, I don't understand because I feel like if people reduce, well, well, you they're going to pile was, it on part- again later, you know? I mean... I- you know, I was I was um, uh, a few days ago. The, uh, the, the you know Jonathan Saffron Four, who who um, works with an organization called Farm Forward, which is a reducitarian happy exploitation organization. He did a he did a, a presentation where he gave like 40, 30, 35 or forty minutes. He talks to kids at various colleges, and one of the one of the universities that was part of this was the University of East Anglia, where I am on the faculty as an honorary professor of philosophy. And, the, and I was there by Skype listening to what, what Stafford Forrest said. And then I answered questions at UEA from students and people who were in that audience and, and um, after he was done. And I listened to him talk, and he was basically, you know, saying, well, you know, I think it's great if somebody, you know, says to me, I'm trying to give up meat. I think that's great if somebody says to me, you know, I'm, I'm eating it only, you know, X times, a, you know, I'm eating it only a few times a week or whatever. Six you know, I think that's great. Of an eight-ounce steak or something? I mean, I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically the idea of reducitarianism is it's an incoherent, absurd idea. It's this idea that we can all reduce suffering by simply eating less meat. So, you know, if you're eating meat, 
38 times a week and you decide to do it 37 times a week, you're a reducitarian. That's great. Um, you know, if you're, I mean, it is ridiculous. And if we had, if we ever applied this to the violation of fundamental human rights, we would see the transparent absurdity of it, and we would see the moral obscenity of it immediately. But because animal people are in the business of promoting speciesism, these animal groups are in the business of promoting speciesism, we don't see it. And, and you know, so, so this, but this is, look, it's 2017. It's an absurd world. So it doesn't really surprise me. Um, it's sad. It's sad, but animal people, um, let me tell you, the organized animal movement is the biggest serious impediment to justice for non-human animals. They are the promoters of injustice for non-human animals. They are the people who, pr who promote the perpetuation of animal exploitation. They are the people who are, in many ways, the most serious obstacle to justice for non-human animals. That's the way it is. Mm. And, and they, and they what get are you all the money do, for doing it, uh, so they're, they're rewarded. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. They, they, exactly. They I mean, you know, the there's a whole cadre. There's, there's a zillion people out there who, are, who avoid having jobs so that they can help the animals with your, you know, your donated dollars while they promote various forms of happy exploitation, reducitarianism, and all of this nonsense. It's the way it is. Nothing you can do about it. I mean, you know, all, all we can do is keep promoting the grassroots vegan advocacy efforts. And they're, 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 look, they're happening. They're happening all over the place. Um, but, you know, my view is, is that, um, you know, there's a good chunk of people out there who get it. And those are the people you speak to, and those are the people that you help to train, you help to educate so that they're good educators so that they can educate other people, and they get out there and they promote veganism as a moral imperative. The rest of the people, let them do what they want to do. You know, I mean, they're going to they're gonna have their charitable organizations. They're going to bring in their millions and millions and millions of dollars. They're going to sell their T-shirts. And, you know, they're going to sell their fantasies of happy exploitation and reduced suffering and all this sort of nonsense. Nothing you can do, you know. I mean, before I was, I, I, had, I had the news on, or what purports to be the news, and there was an advertisement for the ASPCA. And they were talking about how, you know, these animals, they are so neglected and your, your gift of whatever, $18 a month or whatever, can help us save animals. And they've got all these p pathetic pictures of animals. And, and it's like, you can stop this. And you can, you know, give us your money. You can stop this. And th this is an organization that will, you know, that, that basically says nothing about veganism, that isn't promoting veganism, and is, and is, is putting on, you know, putting up pictures of, of sad little dogs and sad little cats and saying, you know, you can be a champion for the animals. Now, you're a champion for the animals when you stop eating them, wearing them, and using them. That's when you're a champion for the animals. Yep. You're not a champion for the animals while you're shoveling hamburgs and, you know, ice cream into your mouth and giving $18 to the ASPCA. Well, the ASPCA... Supporting a business. <laughs> the, the ASPCA helped finance that heritage turkey farmer in Kansas, along with uh, Farm Forward and Bruce Friedrich a few years back. It facilitated a, a large loan, loan for the expansion of a turkey barn. So, 
Yeah, well, you know, doesn't doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I mean, this is this is the movement that Peter Singer created by saying what we need to do is to reduce suffering. That's an incoherent formula. That's an incoherent. That's an in. As far as translating that into meaningful social action, it's meaningless. And you know, there's one thing you can do. You can go vegan. And you don't need a big organization to do it. You don't need legislation. You don't need lawsuits. You don't need anything complicated. What you need is the will to stop exploiting animals. That's all you need. Now tell us and about the uh, webinar everybody again. Everybody can do it. They can do it right now. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. not something that you know, they can only do, you know, that they can phase in and tenure. They can do it right now. You just have to want to do it. It requires one thing, willpower. It requires one thing, your desire to do the right thing by animals. You know, but instead we tell ourselves, well, you know, we don't have to do that. What we can do is we can give $18 to the ASPCA every month, or we can give a contribution to PETA, or we can give, you know, we can, we can go and, you know, wear matching T-shirts and hold candles with sanctimonious looks on our faces and sort of chant things. Um, the bottom line is humane eggs, you know? Exactly. There you go. There you go. But... Yeah, so it is what it is, Bob. It is what it is. <laughs> you know, it is what it we're is. not going to. This is just a strange world. You know, I can't. Uh, it is. You know, strange I, world. I, it, it's it's just shocking to me. Everybody going around eating flesh and blood and not thinking twice about it. You know, it's very. Yeah, I mean, it really, it really is. You know, it it, it it's sort of mind-boggling when you think that we live in a world where people think that their palate pleasure means more than the, the suffering of the most vulnerable beings who go through hell so that you can have your, your precious little taste of whatever it is that turns you on or your, your fashion, you know, your, your, your clothes that are made from animals or whatever, your shoes which are made from animals or things that, like, make you happy. The idea that we think that our pleasure and our, our trivial ultimately meaningless interests can trump the interests of these animals who literally go through hell for us so that we can satisfy those trivial interests. It really, it really, um, it, it shows how, it, 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 it illustrates a sort of a narcissism um, that is profound. Yeah. And a, a selfishness. It, re it, yeah. really, it really is It's, it's just the strangest uh, <laughs> selfishness. I mean, it's really... It, 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 but it's selfishness of a, of a sort that is um, so extreme. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, and, 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 and when I hear people say, well, you know, bad things happen to humans because we do bad things to animals, and it's, it's like it's karma. And the answer is, well, you know... Before you start sort of, you know, thinking of it as some sort of like spiritual retribution or sort of cosmic retribution, it's really, it's really quite, it's quite a bit more simple than that. It's when you're that narcissistic, when you're willing to, to, to sacrifice the fundamental interests of the most vulnerable, innocent beings on earth for trivial pleasures, then your narcissism is so profound. You have your head lodged so far where the sun does not shine that um, 
you know, is it any surprise, you don't need any spiritual explanation to explain why you get run over by a bus when you're trying to walk down the street with your head in a place where you're not paying attention. And so, you know, it really, it, it's, it's, it is profound. It is really, really profound. But it's a strange world we live in. And when I wrote Rain Without Thunder in 1996, I saw it going in this direction, and I never, ever thought it would be as bad as it is now. <laughs> I never thought it would get this bad. Mm -hmm. I, I just didn't, I did not appreciate the, um, I didn't appreciate how, how the business of animal um, compassion, the compassion, the compassionate animal people, I never realized that the business of compassion was going to become such a big business that it would one day result in the absurdity that we call the animal movement. Um, I, I didn't. I, I thought it was possible to stop in 1996. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. When I when I look back, and I I know I, I when I look back at Rain Without Thunder, if I if I take it off the shelf and I read a few pages, I think, wow, how incredibly unrealistically optimistic I was being back then because I thought that this was only a problem that needed to be identified and animal people would respond by correcting the course and would sort of head back in the direction of animal rights and, and in the direction of not exploiting animals. Little did I know, little did I know that what was happening was an inevitable process or a process that was, it was, a, it was a process that would inevitably get worse because the, the movement would get larger and there'd be more and more and more people who wanted to make a living off of the backs of animals and off of the, you know, and there would be more and more people who wanted to make a living selling out animal interests and that it would only get worse. And that's exactly what's happened. And it's, you know, like, I it's never like massive thought it would brainwashing, be. too. You know, it's like, it's like yeah, establishment it media and establishment animal rights doctrine. You know, I mean, but just brainwashing. Exactly. And, and so, so the, the Los Angeles Times, which gets tons of advertising from various animal exploitation sources, they'll publish this garbage about reducitarianism because it basically is anti-vegan. You know, it's basically, it's basically promoting a message that will do nothing to affect in any significant way the interests of, of industry that promotes animal exploitation. Mm. It will do nothing to affect that industry. And, and I think that people may not even reduce. They may just in their mind say, oh, all right, I, I have to reduce now. But, <laughs> but continue, real, how much do they really reduce? Come on. But, but, but what does that even mean? Right. So, so, I'm gonna, so what I'll do tonight is like I'll, I'll say, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe tonight I'll only eat like three hamburgers rather than four. Right. right. And, and so, I mean, well, come on. I mean, come on. This is equivalent to saying, you know what, um, I commit rape six times a week, so maybe like, you know, every other third week I'll stop one time. It's, is this going to change? Self-delusion self is, is, you know, more comfortable. You know, right. Like... Is, is this going to change the institutional approval of violence towards women that results in, you know, people still having in 2017? You know, the, I mean, there are a lot of people who still don't really understand that rape is a problem. And they don't understand what rape is.
You know, they don't understand that, you know, that any non-consensual, any, any sexual contact which is not completely consensual is rape. You know, any sexual intercourse that is not, cons- not consensual, it's not just jumping out from behind a bush and attacking a stranger. It's anything which is non-consensual, any, any sexual, you know, uh, 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 acts which are non-consensual. Um, you know, and so we're never going to change things if we tell people, well, you know, the solution to the problem is do it one less time every six months. You know, you know take, take your rape activities on a six-month basis and do, do it one less time. And that's going to make a difference. The answer is, come on. You, nobody would say that. Yeah. And, Don, and indeed, for, if anybody... I forgot last month. I was supposed to do it one less time. I forgot. You know, it's like... Yeah, exactly. It's a... Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, and it's like the, you know, it's this idea, you know, and I was hearing this when Saffron Four was talking the other day, you know, this idea that, well, it's not really a question of it being a moral obligation. You know, it's like, well, you know, it, it's an individual thing. You know, it's, it's what, whatever you think is right. And the answer is no, sorry. Fundamental morality is not a matter of moral, you know, uh, 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 of, of, of moral subjectivism or moral particularism. You know, I mean, if it's wrong, it's wrong. And it's not a question of, well, you know, if I think it's wrong, it's wrong. But if you think it's not wrong, it's not wrong. That's nonsense. And when we talk about human issues, we realize that. If I said to you, you know, I'm a, I'm a relativist, I'm a subjectivist, and I think the Holocaust was bad, and you think the Holocaust was fine because, you know, you believe in Aryan values, and you think that what Hitler did was fine because he was just trying to sort of, like, reestablish Aryan values and blah, 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 blah. So it's right for you, it's wrong for me, and therefore there's no truth about the Holocaust. Nobody would say that. But when it comes to animals, all of a sudden it's, well, it's what you think and what that person thinks. You know, it's all a matter of relativism. It's all a ma- it's speciesist nonsense. Mm-hmm. It's speciesist nonsense. And, and, and what is really sad is the animal movement is, one, is the biggest promoter of speciesist nonsense out there. Well. And you know what? I expect it from McDonald's. Because there, there are people who are in business to exploit animals. I expect them to take those sorts of positions. What is really sick is that you have, quote, animal advocates who are promoting that position. Okay, well, That's we'll, what's really we'll stop. Uh, animal advocates who are doing that, please uh, stop. Yeah, right. If you have any questions about it, why... Uh, Check out the the webinar. <laughs> if, Indeed, if there's confusion, come to our webinar. It's, confusion, it's, let's, it's let's on look. Saturday morning uh, between ten and twelve Eastern time. Uh, we're, we do them at different times so that people in different parts of the world can participate. And um, and so you know, join us from ten to twelve Eastern time this weekend. Go to uh, Gary Alfranci on the abolitionist approach uh, uh, on our web page. I think that's what it's called. Let me go to my web to the Facebook, the Facebook page. page. I think if they either look for you, if they if if they put in Gary Francione or put in uh, abolitionist approach, I think either way should get them to you there. And uh, yes, I believe that. Well, it, uh, it it's the it's actually the face it's Facebook dot com slash abolitionist approach. Um, 
The actual page is called Gary L. Francione, The Abolitionist Approach to Animal Rights. But if you go there, you can get to the link that allows you to register for the webinar. It is free. Um, and we've got, I don't know, at this point, about 500 people, 400 people. I don't know. Uh, we've got a lot of people. But, you know, um, we're hoping we've got a good team of moderators. They're going to be feeding us the questions. Um, and we're going to try to sort of answer them as quickly as we can so we can do as many as we can. Um, and, you know, we've done these webinars in the past, and we always get really great questions from people. And, um, and so I hope that people will join and participate and educate themselves so they can go out and educate others about the one fundamental principle that will change the world, and that is veganism. Nothing else works. It's so simple. It's so basic. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It is. It ain't rocket science. Very simple. Yeah, so the webinar is Animal Ethics, Your Questions Answered. It's this Saturday, which is April 8th, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time. So go to the Abolitionist Approach Facebook page and check it out and be there. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, and thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you so much. Talk to you then. Thanks for being with us, and it looks like Daisy wants to take a walk, so... We're on our way. Thanks for listening. And remember, I have declared, uh, let's see. Well, I don't, I don't think uh, Gary's going to complain that I have declared April. Um, April is uh, Go Vegan to Stop Climate Change Month. So uh, there's Earth Day. There's the, the Climate March on April 29th. So uh, let's make it Go Vegan to Stop. April is... Go Vegan to Stop Climate Change Month, and uh, I'll be coming up with a flyer that I'll post. So if you want to take that around to different Earth Day events and uh, you know, slip it to somebody eating a hot dog at the Earth Day event, um, feel free. Or take it to one of the big events you know, on April 29th, the, the big march in Washington, D.C., where there'll be 400, 500,000 people who will not be hearing about the vegan solution, the one and only solution. Now, doesn't it make sense if animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change, what could be the solution? No animal agriculture, which is vegan, which uh, then, uh, you know, no demand, no, no demand for animal body parts and secretions. You know, that's that's the way. So anyway, uh, it's April. It's uh, and no fooling. It is uh, go vegan to stop climate change month. Uh, and we're kicking that off as part of our Vegan Vision 2020 campaign. We need to get 50 to 85 percent of the world population to go vegan by 2020 or it's too late related to climate change. Remember, we were at tipping points before Trump came to office, but uh, I guess now we can blame Trump for climate change. And uh, please make your donation to Go Vegan Radio because, uh, you know, Trump, Trump. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And again, the website is goveganradio.com. And uh, remember, on Twitter, we are at Go Vegan Radio and Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Thank you for listening and for archives and uh, to make a tax-deductible donation, go to GoVeganRadio.com. 